Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Monday, September 12th. We're about two weeks away from training camp, and it's going to be exciting. And we have an exciting guest to talk about a player that a lot of people have been very intrigued by this offseason, and we'll get more into that in a minute. But first, let me let you know how you can get in touch with the blog and with the podcast network. So, Grizzly Bear Blues is the SB Nation site for the Memphis Grizzlies. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, where you can also find the Next Gen Podcast with Bryson Wright, the Core 4 Podcast, the Starting 5 Podcast, and soon, Grizzly Bear Bets. You don't want to miss out. It's wherever you get your podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever. Wherever you get listening to your podcast, you can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. I have the senior editor for the Grind City Media of the Memphis Grizzlies, Mike Wallace. Mike, how are you doing this afternoon, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of you guys' work. Obviously, we know what you all are doing. Uh, you're covering the best team in the NBA, but we might be a little biased and partial for that. But um, no, thanks for all you do, and thanks for having us on. We're, we're always glad as Grind City Media uh, to be on with you guys. Absolutely. You know, I really appreciate uh, those kind words, and you know, I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for the season. You know, I'm just like having to go through. Be like, okay, what can I talk about this week? What can I talk about this week? And I will say, I didn't deliberately schedule this podcast to be on this guy's birthday, but we're talking about Zaire Williams uh, on today's show. Um, in case you haven't checked it out yet, uh, last week I wrote a feature on Grizzly Bear Blues. Talk about how you, we can measure a sophomore leap for Zaire Williams because there's just so many different nuances to Zaire Williams' game and what could be in store this season that don't really reflect the same of recent leaps like Desmond Bain or John Morant or even Dylan Brooks in his third year. So me and Mike, we're going to talk about that. Uh, first, 
Mike, I want to ask you just over the past year, and this could be something that you saw in summer league or something that you saw last season that you didn't expect him to be this good at this quickly, but what has stood out to you so far in Zaire Williams' development in his game? You know, I, I, this is a guy that didn't just come in uh, and surprise a lot of people by being the 10th overall pick. A lot of teams felt like the Grizzlies jumped up to get him uh, at 10 and that he might have been available, you know, maybe even later in the lottery or perhaps midway through the first round. Um, but when he came in, his physical stature, his length uh, jumped off the charts to me. Um, this is a guy that is is every bit of 6'8", six, 6'9", six, uh, but he's long. I mean, he's when you look at him and you stand him right next to Tayshawn Prince, you can understand why Tayshawn was one of the biggest uh, voices oh, yeah. in Zaire's development and uh, in terms of his scouting. Um, the, the other thing on the floor, just his ability to come in with the confidence to know. And I remember talking to him on media day this time a year ago. And he said, a lot of people think I'm a project. A lot of people think I'm coming in to develop and take two or three years. But, you know, I feel like I could play right now. If I'm given a chance, I'm going to prove that. And he went out there and did it. Um, his first two months weren't great. He got hurt in Miami, uh, had, you know, stayed out for a couple of weeks to get, get that ankle and that leg right. But when he came back, he was a much more, you know, committed player. He was a much more confident player. So his ability to shoot and be a three and D guy, we knew that's what they saw in him when we drafted him. But his ability to be able to put the ball on the floor and, and get in the mid-range game, those are things that I saw him work on in the summer league uh, that stood out to where he is right now. So Zaire, man, I mean, look, it's his birthday week. Uh, the best is yet to come. And he's going to be a guy that's stepping into some major opportunities this season. That is That was one thing that really stood out to me with Zaire Williams was his mid-range game. And the, it's one of those things, it's such a commodity in today's NBA where, you know, everybody is – you know, everyone harps on three-point shooting, but you always see in the playoffs, it goes back to the mid-range shooting. We saw yeah. that. Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, CJ McCollum, um, Jason Tatum here and there. A lot of people go into the mid-range, and having a guy like Zaire Williams, you know, with his size, he's 6'9", I think one of the uh, the the real nuggets from the uh, exit interviews this year was him saying he was seven foot two with his afro. <laughs> which that's a big wing. That's, that's a huge wing. And when you have a guy and one thing that stands out with his mid range game, it's not necessarily like his size, but he has really good elevation. He has good ball placement. He has good footwork. And when you have a guy that's six, nine, he can create in the mid range and he just finds ways to kind of add value. You know, he runs the floor will really well. He finds the cutting lanes baseline. He uses that length that you talked about to kind of serve as the defensive stopper when Dylan Brooks isn't in the game. That's a lot of value. Those guys don't grow on trees. And no, they, they don't. They don't. And, and, and you make an excellent point when you talked about the defensive potential that he has because, again, he was being picked on. I remember there were some games earlier in the season where, you know, guys isolated him and, and went at him because they knew that they were going to be able to get a foul call. You know what I mean? So towards the end of the season, that wasn't as much the case anymore. And his ability to be in the right position, to leverage his body, uh, to get low when he needs to get low, to get wide and extend when he needs to extend, uh, those are all the uh, you know cerebral parts of the game that he's developing. And, and to do that after just one year in college, it wasn't even a full year. That was a pandemic-reduced year at Stanford where they never even played a home game. He never got comfortable there. Um, so Zaire has all of those abilities and he has those tools. He reminds me. Of, so he gives you the energy 
of a guy like if you remember when Corey Brewer was at his best, you know, running the lane. I do remember Corey um, Brewer. Yeah. Yes, being that kind of energy player on 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 some good teams, uh, finishing at the rim, catching lobs, putting pressure on defense to get back in transition. Zaire is great at that already. Um, he also knows how to take that corner three with confidence and be in a position where as, as great as Kyle Anderson was and doing a little bit of everything well, he was always reluctant to pull the trigger on that three-point shot. And if you, trend, if, if you trend Zaire towards taking over some of Kyle's minutes, if not even more, uh, he's going to be a guy that's willing to pull the trigger on those open corner threes because that's what the offense is predicated to do and still give you the mid-range attack and to be able to get that shot off with the high release, the high release point. Uh, in drop coverages. So he's going to be able to give you everything you need. It's just a matter of, is he physically going to get stronger to withstand the rigors of an 82-game season? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's really – and one of the points you touched on with Kyle Anderson, we're going to get here uh, in a minute, but it's really ironic with Zion Williams, like, yeah, he has that top 10 pick label, and mm-hmm. people are going to compare whatever leap he takes this season to Desmond Baines. I, I think that's an unfair one. Desmond Bain yeah. took a very, very difficult leap. A lot of people have at least another step between what Desmond Bain just did. But Maybe they, two. yeah, exactly. Like it, it was, I kind of compare it to like CJ McCollum's initial leap and then Pascal Siakam. Like that's tough leaps to make, especially for a good team. They need Zaire, and it's going to be really ironic. Like he needs to be a guy similar to like Tayshawn Prince, mm-hmm. Danny Green hit threes, defend the other team's very good perimeter players, run the floor, just simple. And then, you know, everything else is gravy. So that's kind of like what I what I kind of see from Zaire at least going forward. But I wanted to get to something that you kind of touched on a little bit is, you know, the Grizzlies, they didn't really make any moves to get replacements for Kyle Anderson and De'Anthony Melton. Um, and you know, it's part of their philosophy. We've seen from Zach Kleiman here recently. It's almost like a little money ball kind of thing. You know, he's relying on his development and he's going to make sure the team is, uh, financially in a good spot to, you know, pay the guys they need to pay, especially as they come off rookie deals. But, you know, obviously with Kyle Anderson's departure, you'll see guys like Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Xavier Tillman, or Santi Aldama compete for those minutes. But, there's still a hole that's going to be voided. And it really seems like similar to last year where they traded away Grayson Allen in order for Melton or Bain to take the reins of the starting two guard position. It seems like the loss of Melton specifically is gearing up for uh, Zaire to do even more. Do you see that too? And like, in what other areas do you see Zaire having to fill in for Melton and or Anderson next season? I mean, that's that's a great, you know, uh, way of looking at it from a deductive reasoning standpoint. But I'll also caution, not even caution, I would also recommend um, looking at John Conchar in that role, too, because he's that's a right. guy. They, they extended him out, you know, at, at multiple millions of dollars a year um, at this stage. So that's not a, a contract to look at and say, oh, that's that's insignificant. Um, this is one of those deals where you look at Conchar possibly moving into that conversation where you had, like, as you mentioned, Grayson Allen and, you know, moved out of the way. So Melton and Bain can emerge. Now Melton is out of the way. So possibly, you know, a John Conchar and or uh, a Zaire Williams can emerge, but then also Kyle Anderson. So, you know, to me, when you look at how Taylor Jenkins will have the opportunity to shuffle that deck from the two to the four, 
uh, you got a lot of interchangeable parts in there. You know, I, if you want to, you can go and put Dylan sort of in the Kyle Anderson role at the four mm-hmm. and bring Zaire in at the three, and you still have minutes at the backup two for John Conchar. So, and and, and that's not even you know uh, including what we might see from the Jake Laravias and the David Roddies, you know, and and Asante Aldamas and, and and those kind of guys. So there's a lot of uh, guys that still have so much to prove. I'm not going to say that these are answers, but these are possible uh, solutions to address the initial void. That's what's going to make this training camp so intriguing to watch uh, as we get into the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and obviously everybody loves hyping up the teams that they make moves or yeah. they have all the young guys. Um, but with the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, I, I kind of, you know, consider like what you said, they're relying on a bunch of guys to make modest improvements in their games whether that's Zaire Williams who we're talking about or John Conchar who you know we're talking about filling the void of Melton and Anderson like John Conchar made his way into the NBA because of the hustle stats points (laughs) or not the points the rebounds the deflections the steals the blocks like that's how he made made his way into the NBA that gives him an opportunity to kind of continue playing in that role the other leaps from and then surprising developments from rookies, which we've seen Taylor Jenkins do time and time again. He said it in the press conference with the four rookies. He said, I'm not afraid to play my rookies. They will get opportunities to play. Um, and it kind of kind of reminds me uh, of a team from one of your past stops. It reminds me of the Miami Heat, where they rely on that culture. They rely on their player development, where, you know, like, Last season, the the Heat were a game away from the NBA Finals with playing Max Struess and Gabe Vincent in the rotation because Spo, the GM, they trusted the development of their system mm-hmm. and their culture. Those guys were ready. And I kind of see the Grizzlies doing that in a similar instance, this time with very heavy emphasis on Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. And, and and I agree with that. You know, I, I would I would hope that, you know, to, to your point, Parker, one of the things that you said a few minutes ago um, that, that I, I don't want anyone to overlook is, you know, this is a guy that that's coming into a brand new situation. And you can't just assume that there's going to be a Desmond Bain type leap. That's mm-hmm. usually a, a two to three year process that gets you from, you know, what Desmond doubled his scoring, you know, doubled his scoring. NBA history, double yeah. their scoring from one year to the next. Right. He elevated to being a top 10 efficiency wise, top 10 three point shooter in the league. Now, you know what I'm saying? And he was by the time he got to the playoffs, he, volume wise, uh, he was taking the second most threes in, uh, in the playoffs. And, and we saw his percentage stay right at 40, 41, 42. Um, Zaire's numbers, he can take a leap, but it won't look like that. Like his leap will be different. Um, his leap may be in deflections. He might, you know, I, I could see Zaire being a kind of player that can average two, you know, 2.5 steals a game, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it won't be as egregious in terms of the numbers. But if he can give you 25 minutes a game and, and his defensive uh, PER and his defensive efficiency is going to put him in the conversation of being one of the better, you know, players in the league, um, I, I think that's a significant enough leap. So, he will get those opportunities because the Grizzlies are going to play a certain way that's going to allow him to break out if he can stay healthy and get his body uh, in, a, in a position that they they need him. You know what I mean? Because, again, they they, mm-hmm. they doubled up at drafting sort of big forwards. Um, he's going to have to trend more towards a backcourt, you know, smallish forward guard type situation. But 
you know, the sky's, like I said before, the sky's the limit for him. I like his uh, blank canvas. And when he talks about, you know, being around guys like LeBron James uh, and, and Dwayne Wade because of their sons, he played with their sons. Mm-hmm. I know those guys. And, and I know what, what they instill in Zaire Williams and the kind of confidence that he has. And he does it with a smile. He does it with a joy. Um, I just, I, I can't wait to see how he comes along this year. I think that's going to be one of the best gifts to unwrap this season if you're a Grizzlies fan. I, I definitely agree. You know, you mentioned he has guys like LeBron and D-Wade in his corner. I mean, I also saw an article, I think, last week where he said, yeah, I try to model a lot of my game after Paul George. I'm actually working out mm. with him tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to not get excited about that. It's it's also yeah. one of the things, too. It's one of our first uh, player development projects, probably since Mike Conley, in terms of like, okay, it it's not going to be one of those things. It's kind of it's not gonna be microwave development he it's gonna take a bit mm-hmm. but he's already shown so many signs and uh one of the things you said kind of leads into like one of my final questions here is you know everyone kind of categorizes a leap kind of in similar vein to Desmond Baines you know someone who made an improvement to become a really good starter or a borderline all-star yeah or in John Morant's case he went from borderline all-star to an all-nba player mm-hmm. MVP candidate there's different levels to leaps and Mike as as training camps about to start and we're about to see a, a lot of these guys and a, a lot of them have major opportunities at stake. Who else besides Zaire Williams do you see taking a leap this season? You know, I mentioned him earlier, uh, John Conchar. I, I think he's positioned uh, contractually to be an important piece for this team. I think, you know, what you saw in limited doses, can he sustain that over the course of, 15 minutes a game. Like we we know in, in certain moments, John Conchar can have a breakout stretch, but can he have a breakout role game after game where he's contributing in that way? Um, I think he's going to be a guy to keep your eye on, you know, and then also initially at the very beginning of the season, which one of these rookies is going to be able to step up? Um, and, and is it going to be a, a David Roddy or is it going to be a Jake LaRavia? Two totally different approaches. David Roddy is more of a, I'm going to go get 20 tonight type player whereas LaRavia is more I'm gonna find my flow and the game is going to come to me Mm -hmm. um so that's going to be a different kind of way to do it but when you're missing Jaron Jackson Jr at least initially uh you're going to need somebody to make up those points and I think Ja can do it Desmond can do it obviously um and Zaire can be a guy that can get you some points but I also think you're going to see you know coming off the bench that's going to be key coming off the bench is going to be Tyus and he's going to have to perform almost like a starter to give the Grizzlies mm-hmm. that initial uh, bur- burst. But to answer your question, um, you know, Conchar comes to mind quickly. Zaire comes to mind in terms of emerging. And then one of the rookies is going to get an opportunity to do something big. And I, I can't wait to see which one of them uh, would take the bull by the horns and, and, and utilize the, that first month of the season uh, to etch their way into the rotation, the way that Taylor has always allowed at least mm-hmm. one rookie to do so since he's been here. Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting, you know, especially with – with uh, LaRavia and Roddy, just mm-hmm. one of the things you mentioned with LaRavia is he's a kind of find my flow kind of player. And that's what they're losing with Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson was very much a find my flow kind of player. Maybe that's something for him. I'm I'm very interested to see what, what happens with Roddy because uh, I don't know if you noticed, but like you, there's been since from his season at Colorado State to now, he's gone through a little bit of a body transformation where he might transition to be more of a wing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities there. 
I really like the Conchar answer because, you know, he really came on as a, as a three-point shooter accuracy-wise, yes. but there's still more with the volume. He didn't even average two threes a game. So if he gets that to about three or four, along with what else he does, what are we talking about then? We're talking yeah. about yeah, a very yeah. solid rotation got to have for a playoff team. No question. No question. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's important is because I don't see a lot of uh, – beyond, beyond Tyus – I don't see a lot of proven production on the bench uh, when you're looking at the Grizzlies coming into this year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In terms of just guys that – especially – and this is assuming that Zaire moves into the starting lineup at least to start the year and you have that kind of mix there. But uh, after that, it gets real thin on the bench. So somebody's going to have to step up and be able to take uh, those moments. And I don't think Taylor – he's not the kind of coach that's going to go with a seven-man rotation from the right. beginning of the year, right? He's going to play he guys. He loves that 10. Yes, he, he loves, loves that 10. 10. But but when you go when you I, I can only count one one guy on the bench right now um, maybe one and a half that can go out there and get you some some points on a consistent basis so there's opportunity they're going to need to step up so that second unit is going to be one that I would love to see how it how it shapes up absolutely because you know with that bench it's been one thing it's been really nice where you don't have even though you don't have a Manu or mm-hmm. Jamal Crawford or Lou Will. You know, you have Tyus Jones, you have Brandon Clark, and in the past you had DeAnthony Melton, kind of like a a big three off the bench, but now you're losing a lot of perimeter firepower. You know, Brandon Clark, he's good for 10 to 12, but he's not going to do that for the perimeter. He's not a guy who's going to be like, oh, this guy just came down and hit two threes in a row and then had a nice cut for a layup. He's a guy who's going to get all of his points in the paint. They need more Mm -hmm. perimeter firepower off the bench. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good opportunity for any of those guys, Conchar, Zaire, Roddy, Laravia. My 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 leap pick is I think we're gonna see some good stuff from Santi Aldama this season. Um okay. Okay. I think I think one of the things, you know, there was without Jaron, they're losing size. I mean, Jaron, seven feet tall, um, can cover a lot of space on the floor. Yeah. And the only backup big man that has that sort of size is Santi. Uh, he he looked a lot more comfortable in the summer league. Um, I listened to a recent episode of the Game Theory podcast with Sam Fasini and Adam Spinella, and Adam was in for a workout with Santi, and um, Sant and Santi's three point shot looks good. I mean, last season he, for him, it, there's it's only up for him because he yeah. shot like nine percent from three last season. So if he can get that corner three down and continue yeah. finding his flow in the game, I think it's one of the again, it's one of those things where his leap is like going from like a a fringe NBA player to a guy who's like, oh, this is a guy we can count on consistently yeah. for like twelve to fifteen minutes a night. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a lot though. That's a big jump in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. To go from a guy that was barely—I mean, he was one of the last picks, if not the last pick in the first round when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, contemplated going back overseas for more development. Um, there's a chance that had he gone to a different team, he might not even be in the NBA right now. Whereas right. you and I are talking about possibly being a, a rotation player uh, on a team that finished with the second best record in the league, right? So what we did see was that his willingness to be aggressive offensively. Uh, uh, in summer league stood out and now he has to bring, bring that same level of confidence and aggressiveness in the regular season. And guys have to feel like they're entitled to be on the floor, right? right. They don't have to be scared or taking a you know, backseat to anyone. If, if Taylor Jenkins is playing you, 
he believes in you, right? He wouldn't mm-hmm. put you on the floor if he didn't trust you to do your job. So these guys have to come out and not be timid, not defer and not do all of those things. Um, because again, I'm not saying you got to go out with the Dylan Brooks mindset and, and say, this is my <laughs> team. but you got to be somewhere in the middle and know how to read the game and understand you're there. Santi is a guy that I think after being around this team now for two years, uh, especially being in this situation where he's looking at guys now that were drafted at his position, so to speak, um, who could just came in, he's got to say, this is my time. So there has to be some desperation from Ta- Santi this year in order to move forward with this team in the right productive way. Absolutely. You know, that that's going to make for a very fun training camp. There's, I mean, you have 16 spots, you have the last spot in the rotation up for grabs, po- probably two with mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s spot out there because of his injury. Mm-hmm. It's going to make for a very fun training camp. It's exciting that we're now uh, two weeks away. Yeah. Uh, Mike, we're uh, um, just as we're wrapping up the show, is there any final comments or anything you yeah. want to give before we close? No, I just want to say, you know, a lot of people are are, are looking at, you know, the, the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury and recovery as, as something that can set this team back. Um, you know, I just like to remind everybody, listen, John Morant missed 25 games last year and the Grizzlies went 20 and five. I'm not saying that's a formula that you can replete, repeat, especially at the beginning of a season. The Grizzlies last year were a 500 team through the first 20 games of the season and still managed to have a remarkable run, you know, once they got to January, February and March. So I think I've seen Jaron around. He looks good. He looks, you know, like he's well into uh, his rehab and recovery. He has great spirits. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be out to the longer end of that projection. I think it's going to be on the shorter end in terms of when mm-hmm. he comes back. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing what this team does when you put all of these pieces together. Exactly. I, I'm very excited for it, too. You know, I try to remain cautiously optimistic with it. Because like yeah. you said, the Grizzlies, they won 56 games with job missing 25 and Dylan Brooks missing 50. So, like, <laughs> like they've shown they can in, – in the uh, 2020 – 2021 season the Grizzlies were still a top 10 defense without Jaron so mm-hmm. just trust the system that trust the system trust the development it's all it's all gonna work itself out and again if there's a slow start they've shown the ability to withstand a slow start and really get rolling and find their playoff positioning and well shaping up to be an even more loaded uh Western Conference but Mike, I know y'all do a lot of great stuff at Grind City yeah. Media. Is there anything in particular you want to plug in as we're wrapping up here? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, just as you guys are getting, you know, your training camp coverage ready and getting geared up, you know, Grind City Media is we're going to have our camp countdown to camp uh, series that starts this Wednesday, um, uh, September. I believe that's the fifteenth. But we're going to count down the top twelve, and we're going twelve because of Big Twelve, John Morant. That's right. Uh, the top twelve storylines uh, going into media day and training camp. So each day we'll have a video segment uh, where I sit alongside a, a Grind City Media talent or broadcasting uh, a partner. And we talk about what are the big storylines. So everything from obviously, where do we go with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s minutes early in the season, all the way to how do the Grizzlies now handle the spotlight? They're no longer in the dark. They're, they got spotlight, 18 national mm-hmm. televised games. Um, and, and this is a team to be reckoned with this year in terms of national attention. So we got all the storylines and questions covered as we head towards training camp. It's the Grizzlies countdown to camp on Grind City Media starting this week. Check us out. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, check out all the stuff they do. They There's no NBA organization that covers their team like the Memphis Grizzlies and Grind City Media do. 
They have the Rising Grind in the morning with Jessica Benson, Megan Triplett. They have the Chris Vernon show. Uh, they have different uh, shows and podcasts they do. I know, uh, Mike, you and CJ, y'all do the HBCU huddle HBCU, cover, yep. covering uh, HBCUs and their athletics across across the Southwest re- or Mid-South region. Uh, the pro wrestling podcast, yes. baseball podcast, y'all, y'all have it. We all. just launched when we just launched the MMA cage side with John Morgan, uh, and and you know it's one of those things where you know we, we haven't been into the uh, mixed martial arts space, but it's such a booming industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have that on Mondays, and you mentioned everything else we have. So the Grind City Media Podcast Network is only growing and getting stronger, and, and I'm looking forward to a bright future as we add more talent and hone in on some of the things that we do right now too. So, and then you got the, uh, you got infield fly, our baseball That's right. postseason uh, is, is coming up. You know, we, we have infield fly with Lang Whitaker and, and Rob Fisher hosting that as well too. So, so many things, whatever you're looking for in sports, uh, we probably have a podcast or some content that'll, that'll keep you engaged and entertained along the way. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so y'all make sure y'all check that out. Grizzlies.com and any anywhere youtube spotify apple they got it all and once again thank you mike for uh joining on this week's uh gbb live you can follow me on twitter at paca underscore flaca make sure you are catching up with everything grizzly bear blues related at grizzlybearblues.com or on twitter at sb and grizzlies training camp is about to start and we are about to hit everything in a high gear so make sure uh you don't miss out any of our work uh check out all the podcasts on the podcast network gbb live Core 4 Podcast, Starting 5 Podcast, Next Gen Podcast, (laughs) and Grizzly Bear Bets. And with that, we will see y'all soon. Peace.